listen, honey, listen, honey. Listen, honey, listen, honey. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm tired. I'll be honest. I am tired. Why are you tired, sis? It is hard to be in a place where you're constantly witnessing what is happening for our community. And I think you've probably felt similarly where each day of this past year has been what feels like an increase of attacks and violence against Asian Americans. I think that it is also tiring because similar to what you're trying to do with your platform, we're trying to create spaces of safety for people, even in the midst of our own re-traumatization that we're going through right now. So I'm tired because we're doing it from all sides. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You're not wrong about that. And I'm tired. And I'm irate. Mm-hmm. I I was up actually at five o'clock in the morning last night um, after a couple hours of being on the phone with my fiance talking about this. And I just could not stop crying. I couldn't stop picturing first the women. I couldn't stop picturing this very familiar setting of these massage parlors, these businesses that no matter if it's Christmas morning or it's June 2nd on a Wednesday, they're always the same and they're always overworked. Mm -hmm. And why are they working at a time of a pandemic? Because they have to. And whether they are documented or not, they are bringing the money home for their families, probably in a house that's overcrowded with more family members that depend on them so that they can put their kids through school, American schools, and they can afford a better life. And all they want to do is to be able to make money and to be able to support their families. And a lot of these massage parlors, if we're really going to get into the dark of it, are open to, obviously, massage business. I I love frequenting foot spas and massage parlors like this. But they're also subject to patrons who come and pay them a different amount of money for different kind of services that whether they're coerced to do so or they're trafficked to do so, all in all, it's a desperate time where people will do anything for money. So now you've got just this this stressful condition of life. And then you've got this random man who has his own set of problems in anger. And he very clearly decides to single out one race of people and doesn't go to just one massage parlor, but three of them and kills eight people, six of them being Asian women. As he then tells the sheriff, it wasn't a hate crime. I am a sex addict. And by the way, I was just having a bad day. I, 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 don't, I, I don't know where to place all of these emotions And at the same time, at this very moment, it is Thursday, March 18th. I'm going to read what our president just announced. 
President Biden proclamation on Atlanta victims. As a mark of respect for the victims of the senseless acts of violence perpetrated on March 16, 2021 in the Atlanta metropolitan area by the authority vested in me as President of the United States by the Constitution and the laws of the United States of America, I hereby order that the flag of the United States shall be flown at half-staff at the White House and upon all public buildings and grounds, at all military posts and naval stations, and on all naval vessels of the federal government, in the District of Columbia and throughout the United States and its territories and possessions until sunset, March 22nd, 2021. I also direct that the flag shall be flown at half staff for the same length of time at all United States embassies, legations, consular office, and other facilities abroad, including all military facilities and naval vessels and stations. In witness whereof, I have hereunto set my hand this 18th day of March in the year of our Lord, 2021, and of the independence of the United States of America, 245th, Joseph R. Biden, Jr. How does that make you feel to hear the president speak those words, Jenny? I honestly just got chills. Like it just, because I hadn't heard about this. I've been in meetings all day, and so I had no idea that this had just occurred. And yet I feel a lot of tension. As you're reading about the flags being flown at half staff at military bases and naval you know ships it makes me think about how asian women have been fetishized have been viewed in times where the united states has been at war in asian countries yes it gives me a lot of chills because i'm I can't help but think about how the dehumanization of Asian women in particular across media, across society, across history may have contributed to how this man could then essentially execute them for his own internal struggles and issues. So I feel sick to my stomach, honestly. Yes. I, I share that sentiment with you, sis. Um, for all of our listeners that are tuning in right now, I, I just met Jenny for the first time here. And honestly, as soon as I look into the eyes of my sister, who is feeling the emotions from such tragedy right now, against all of us, by the way, not just the Asian American community, but the just the dismay and, and the disorganized way of America when it comes to appropriately processing crime, appropriately processing people in need. I look at her, I look at you, Jenny, and, and, and just started the podcast from here because I think we all feel this same sentiment of what the fuck, what, what the actual fuck is happening? What's going on? How Jenny and I met each other, actually, Jenny Wang happens to be a PhD. She's a clinical psychologist and reached out to me in my DMs in such a random moment of perfect timing as this last week has been horrific as it's been in the last year about Asian American news. And you reached out to me randomly. And I have to tell you your message to me because it was so friendly and, and, and sisterly. You posted an amazing 
post that said, as Asian Americans, we can call for accountability for violence against our people while also not perpetuating the racist narrative that black people are a danger to our community. Let's deeply consider who benefits from ignoring Asian hate crimes and painting black folks as villains. I was so thankful that you brought this up and you also texted me. I believe that you talked about my post on your show, The Real, when discussing anti-Asian violence and anti-blackness in the AAPI community. Thank you for using your voice to amplify us. And I was so thankful to have a person of an Asian American experience that can specifically separate, but at the same time, highlight two very important needs today, which is our support and our alliance for Black Lives Matter and the work that we have to do within our community and to protect our community as well. Those are not one, there, this, there is no Olympics over who has the worst struggle. There is no comparison to these struggles. They're, they're, they're horrific, they're, they exist, they're real, and we have to acknowledge them and give them their due space. Tell me why you decided to send me that message, Jenny. Well, you know, when I reached out, I had just watched part of your um, webcast where you had gone to family therapy with your mom. And it really, you know, it really highlighted that for first and second generation Asian Americans, there is a space, there is a gap, a divide between us because of the experiences that our parents might've had in their homelands, often surrounding war, often surrounding genocide and right poverty. And when we think about the intergenerational effects of how that manifests then in the second and the third generation, we have to deeply think about how we could potentially break those cycles or we are at risk for perpetuating them. And the part in the webcast with your mom and she was talking about her own father and how she hated him and how you could tell in her voice there was still so much pain there that was a perfect representation of those effects and how that contributes to how then our parents show up with us and engage with us and how that could potentially harm the next generation yes absolutely Thank you. Thank you for, thank you for reaching out to me. Thank you for being a woman of color who actually is being vocal and, and, um, outspoken about your practice, because I'll be honest, I, I, I don't know many Asian women who are therapists. I remember one time I went to Sapa, which is the Northern, Northern, Northern part of out, outer skirts of Vietnam. And I was serving a shelter that housed women who have been trafficked Mm -hmm. until we could find them the right type of safe environment that they could then, you know, um, move on to. And I remember these girls, beautiful young girls, were all making jewelry and cooking um, dinner. And I was like, I'm so glad they have this safe place, but where's the work that needs to be done? Where, where is the work that needs to be done for the trauma that's been brought onto them? And they said to me, there's no such thing as therapy in these parts. And certainly not in Vietnam that we don't even have a, a word to s- describe therapist, you know? Um, and if we do, it actually sounds like that person is ill. It makes, it sounds like they're mentally disturbed. 
to get this type of person that'll come and correct you or diagnose you or whatever it may be. Um, so I just really thank you in this time to reach out to me. It was the best thing you could have done. And I probably won't be the first time we'll be talking. I think I'm going to be asking for your help moving forward. Um, another thing I, I, I really am so thankful for that you reached out to me in this time of this news is one year ago today, I spoke out about our then president's rhetoric towards us. I spoke out and wrote op-eds about how dangerous this setup is going to end. Because no matter what you think about the president, any leader who pins an entire flu, a, 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 the fault of a pandemic on the backs of a race equates to, I hate those people. I want them out of here. It's your fault. And now, one year later, a little over a year that we're still in this pandemic, you have so many people that are at a much worse condition than that time. They're desperate. We're all broke. We, we, we're, we're tired. We're downtrodden. Um, people of color don't feel heard. The black community is getting hit the hardest when it comes to the illness, the oppression, the, the systemic ways that is not built to support them. Essential workers are, uh, my God, I, I'm surprised they're still standing. It's just, it's a whole thing. And who, who can you look at to blame? What is the last person or persons you can immediately unleash this anger on? And that is Asian Americans. And so since then to date, we've had over 3,800 attacks specifically on Asian Americans. It has been 120% of a rise since 2020 in specific hate crimes, and 68% of these victims are women. To anybody out there who says that this rhetoric, this, this, this lack of leadership, this poor choice of words has nothing to do with the hate crimes today, what do you have to say to that, doctor? I would absolutely disagree. Because the language that we use to frame situations to paint a picture or a narrative is truly how we shape how people think about these situations. Mm. And so the president's rhetoric that wasn't just an isolated incident, but it was repeated over time, over the span of months and over a year, it started to give people an inherent sense of permission that if I am pissed that I've lost my job or I'm frustrated that I'm struggling, that now there's an identifiable target that the person in the highest office has pointed out to me. And so language, this is why I say language is so powerful and how we use it can function like a weapon, which is effectively what the president, past president, used it as, right? as a way to direct people's energy and frustration. That I, I, I appreciate that word you just said, permission. Um, the second issue that I have looking past him is from that year ago that I and many, many Asian Americans immediately felt cornered after these statements are made on a national level. People who had voices spoke out. So whether it was me or other people that 
stood against that type of rhetoric would would already kind of foreshadow what was going to happen. Asian Americans, and not even themselves, but people who supported the victims, would slowly begin to post videos that you would see that were very targeted attacks of hate. And I've seen video after video of being of Asian Americans being spat on, being yelled at, slandered, you know, words written on the outside of their storefronts, go back to China, um, Kung Flu, this is your fault. Um, I actually had a situation where a family member of mine was coming home from work and walking and a person pulled up in a car, stopped the car and said, get the fuck out of our country. Look what you fucking done to this piece of shit. And I, I can say the word, the F word, but I can't say the words that it just, it's, I just, I don't even want to give energy to that. But the Asian uh, racist words that they then use and threw a, a soda can at, at my family member's face. And I, I just didn't even know what to say to my family, for, for, to my family member to kind of just, to just process the anger, get it out of you. Look at people are just stressed right now. You know, all the things you try to say so that person doesn't react towards a certain race or towards it. And that was a year ago. So then now moving forward, we have seen thousands upon thousands of surveillance videos of Elderly Asians being beaten, pushed to death, slashed in the face with box cutters, acid being thrown on, beaten. Just yesterday, there was a, a, a woman who was collecting cans who beat her assailant back, and he got taken to the hospital. And you can see just the despair in her face as she's bruised and bloody, and she's speaking in her language of just utter confusion and, and, and anger. And we've seen these videos for a whole year and nobody's done anything. Mm-hmm. That, that's why I'm so angry. Nobody has done anything. But what do you do, right? From an authority level, how do you then protect this community? And then, and then after that, how do you make the right policies or the right um, um boundaries in place so that this race doesn't feel targeted because we can already tell from our entire 2020 and for centuries, black lives have felt targeted. Black lives have felt victimized and haven't had that same protection. This all goes back to our country and our leadership. It feels like we're living in a third world country with first world privileges, if I'm honest. Absolutely. I think that as people of color have had to survive, we've had to make adaptations in order to bear the weight that systemic racism has placed on us. And I think that absolutely the black community has, has carried a lot of the brunt of that, right? Our black, brown, indigenous communities. And Asian Americans have experienced racism for centuries. Yeah. Right. One of the largest mass lynchings in the United States occurred to Chinese men. Yeah. So what effectively happened, though, is that our people through the 1960s and the model minority myth started to create a different narrative in a sense that, oh, we are liked if we assimilate. We are liked if we 
are willing to bend ourselves such that we can present right in certain ways that are acceptable to the predominant society and we effectively were cut off from all of this history that we know through the vincent chin trial right we knew there was no justice then and even now a part of me is skeptical that there will be justice for these victims too and i want to believe that the system there's goodness there the justice system and the legal system that perhaps they will choose to do the right thing but racism is so embedded in the fabric of this country that to eradicate that requires a complete overhaul even then when you say the word overhaul it gives me a bit of hope but i'm like i don't even know what that looks like i actually said to my fiance yesterday even though we for the first time ever in my lifetime and i'm 42 I'm seeing Asian Americans speak out in a way that I've never seen before. It's teaching me to find my voice. I also am seeing a tremendous wave of support from our brothers and sisters of actually specifically the black community. I wanted to say people of color. And yes, we do have a wide range of support coming from all angles. But from the black community is something that just, I I don't know how to, process that overwhelming sense of gratitude when you see people like Stacey Abrams, Ava DuVernay, um, Dwayne Wade, like uh, uh, people, I actually want to read some of these messages that came out that felt so um, comforting in this time of need. Stacey Abrams said, our hearts are with the families of the AAPI women slain yesterday. Hatred is infectious and cumulative. It begins with pejoratives about race and evolves into acts of unspeakable violence. We must do more than condemn. Our responsibility is to protect and defend by word and deed. Such powerful words. President Obama said, even as we've battled the pandemic, we've continued to neglect the longer lasting epidemic of gun violence in America. Although the shooter's motive is not yet clear, the identity of the victims underscores an alarming rise in anti-Asian violence that must end. These are just some of the words of, of so many spectacular people who took the time to, to voice their concerns. I received text messages and, and DMs. I'm sure you did the same. And it reminds me that I already know that Asian Americans have also shown up in many, in many ways for people of color and specifically black lives. But I also have heard a lot of people from the black community angry to say, This is a very hard situation to support because I feel like a lot of Asian people don't like black people, don't stand up for us. And that's, that's is surprising to me because in my world, the, the, the the places I dwell from people like you who specifically texted me about how crucial we have to be about supporting Asian lives, but also still making that space and using our voice for black lives. Like you get it. And so I, I see thousands of Asian Americans from Prabhul Gurung, Philip Lim, Lisa Ling, Olivia Munn, Daniel D. Kim, Daniel. Like I have a lot, I have a community of people that do this, but there are people, black people out there that, that don't. And what they see 
is the racism they endure in nail shops and salons, is the hate they get from the liquor store owner that, that happens to be Korean and follows them around the store or whatever the stories are that we hear all the time. And that does exist. And that's also not right. So in my dismay over this entire situation, be, be, besides just feeling an immense sense of, of pain for the families of these victims, I also am figuring out how do we make sure to amplify our stance that injustice against one is injustice against all. Like I, I, I'm not, there, there's no, there's no comparison and we would never, ever say that one race has struggled more than the other. That that's, I, 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 I'm very well aware that the person who endures the hardest version of life is the black woman. Yes. That said, I don't want my black friends to feel like the Asian community is not there for them. Mm-hmm. And I also am really irritated by the way that we get news today, because let's be honest, the majority of our news comes from our phone. And there, this, this has a built-in algorithm. And if you do think that Asian Americans don't support you, or you do think that you're the only voice that you're hearing in your community, you're, you're only black people support black people, then your feed has an algorithm that's going to continuously show you that. I don't have Confederate flags in my, in my feed, but I certainly know that there are people out there who believe in white supremacy, who all they get is an overwhelming support of their community showing up in their feeds, coming up in their updates, in their timelines, clubhouse, like all these things where people have their narrative and, and, and their trajectory of what they want to say. I have an overwhelming amount of updates from my Asian American friends telling me about the George, George Floyd law that was just passed or um, um, about um, Breonna Taylor's birthday just passing and that changes haven't been made and her family wasn't ever given justice. Like I have that in my feed because that's where my algorithm is. All I'm saying is to anybody who feels like the Asian American community isn't allying with you. I'm saying two things. One, we are, I'm looking at two of us right here. We are. And number two, I'm saying, I'm also turning to my Asian American community to say, we need to do a better job of speaking up in general. We, we need to speak up more, not only for the black community, but also for ourselves. There's a reason why I just explained that a lot of the rise in the attacks that we're seeing are not from the actual families themselves. Most of the time, these, these, these people who have been victimized don't go to the police, either because there's a language barrier or because they, they, they don't know how to, or there's this weird, and this is a whole nother session we have together to have together, but there's this weird, there's this weird unspoken rule as immigrant Asians to just not cause disruption. Let's not involve the police. Let's not be the minority race that already comes here, kind of taking it as like a favor that you guys have helped us flee from our, our own impoverished or, or communist conditions, whatever it may be. And, and, and because we're here, we're so grateful. We're just going to grind and do our work and we're, and we're not going to ask for any help. Even if that means my grandmother just got beaten or I just got, I, I'm in a workspace that doesn't feel healthy or safe for me. Like we don't know our rights. Yeah. And I grew up thinking this. Mm-hmm. I never, I, we've been robbed in my home growing up. And I've also had situations where I'm bullied at school, but I never went to the authorities. What is that? That is the weight that Asian Americans have had to bear in right, a society 
that repeatedly has failed to protect us. Right? When we go back into history, we're talking about the weight of no legal protections, no labor laws, back when we had railroad workers that were Chinese, right? There were no protections legally, politically, or socially for Asian Americans because we were denied citizenship for such a long time. So when there are no legal protections at play, you couldn't, as an Chinese person, you couldn't even testify in court. So if there was something, right, you couldn't serve as a witness for your friend who had been beaten by a white person. So there was nothing set up to protect Asian Americans. And so what the mind does when we are under threat at all times is we go into protection mode. We use whatever we believe will keep us or minimize attack. And so that idea that you described of don't stick out, don't be visible, be good at your job, but don't be too good because you might be a target. Don't become too successful because then somebody is going to come by and stamp you down. Mm. This is the mentality that I grew up with as well, right? That then pushes us towards going underground, being the worker bee, but never the leader, right? Because our framework of what's possible becomes so limited when the fears of our parents and their trauma is then passed to us and impacts how we show up. And so I always say to my client, it is a process of unlearning all of those narratives. Yeah. When you say the word unlearn, we've got a lot of that to do. Yes. Not only from our pre-existing emotion towards authority and America and having our rights as an American citizen, but then the model minority myth is a whole unlearning that has to take place within us now. Can you explain the model minority myth to people who don't understand it and why it is a very toxic situation for all races of color? So the model minority myth was coined in the 1960s, right in the midst of the civil rights movement. You had individuals from Black, Brown, Indigenous, and even Asian American communities stepping out and saying, hey, there are these injustices that we are witnessing. You've enacted laws that effectively have not furthered, you know, our rights and our ability to vote and all these different things. And so during that time, you know, we had, we had just come out of Japanese internment in the 40s, where up until that point, Asian people were still vilified, were seen as disloyal to the country. And slowly that narrative started to shift, right? Part of it was this view of these Japanese GI soldiers coming back, right? Utilizing the GI Bill to go to college, advancing careers. And so you started to see the rise of this kind of middle upper class Asian, you know, community. And so, then this narrative that, oh, look at these Asian Americans. They don't need social services. They don't need government assistance. Look at what they've achieved. And look at all these other minority groups that seem to just can't get their act together. 
And this lie then created an effective wedge between marginalized groups in which we put Asian Americans and we want to name that we are not a monolith, right? So there are plenty of Asian Americans that live below the poverty line. There are plenty of Asian Americans that are heavily discriminated against. But effectively, the model minority myth put Asian Americans on this pedestal as a way to shame other minority groups for not achieving success. And I believe that the reason why it was easier, or perhaps the reason why the model minority myth was something that people kind of move towards as Asian Americans is that it was protective, right? Being Asian American shielded you somewhat from maybe the racism that the Black community had in Europe, right? We wanted to protect ourselves. We didn't realize that there were societal effects, right, if we did that. But in aligning with the model minority myth, we also then took on this facade of needing to be perfect all the time. And I believe that now people are realizing that that facade is cracking. Our people are in pain. They are traumatized. And yet, right, our own community and outside society has said, no, you got to keep that facade going. You got to hold it together. You can't ask for help. That's weakness. And this is also why I believe it's such a struggle for the Asian American community to seek out mental health care when they need it. Wow. To be very clear, the one thing that I, I feel like we haven't said but just needs to be visible, when you say that lie was placed upon us that caused this dissension between us and other races, other people of color specifically who all understand this racism that's built into the fabric of America, who would you say placed that lie on us, that narrative on us? I would say that it is the system of white, and I will say toxicity. I'm not going to call it supremacy because that inherently places that in a hierarchy, right? Right. But this idea that white culture, white people, white society holds all the power. Yes. And so then doles out privilege to those who are willing to align themselves with whiteness. Yes. I wanted to hear that specifically because my lack of terminology, like you've got, (laughs) Jenny, is white people put that model minority narrative on us, which then as we feud and have a disconnect with one another, the white man continues winning. Mm-hmm. And, and that's lack of, you know, better terms, but I like what, what you just said. And, and I love that you said it's breaking that idea. This, this, it's, it's breaking these titles and this, this, this image of us and that we don't want, we reject. And so talking about this, I love your choice of words, Jenny. It's like, it's like healing waters. You're putting power to what it feels like so that we can understand it. And number two, educate ourselves. Because let's be honest, none of our cultures have the right education in, in, our, in our grade schools. None of us can easily, when we were focused on learning what Christopher Columbus did, you're not learning about the Chinese massacre. You're not learning about the 
Emancipation Proclamation and the presidents that failed to protect black people and and hid behind um, these fake policies while they continued to own slaves. Like you don't learn about these things. And so I just, um, I, I really thank you so much for just g- uh, shattering the emotion with an understanding of our flawed system, the owning of our emotions and our feelings and the processing by educating ourselves of what we need to understand to then do better to stand up to be actively anti-racist and to amplify your voice for the communities who need it. Um, Jenny, I, I feel blessed by this session with you. I didn't even, what I really wanted to do is kind of speak to you about how you work as an Asian American therapist, what it's been like for you in your field. Do you feel that, I mean, it's weird because it's like, my people need you so bad, but they have this huge wall of judgment and, you know, and, and um, embarrassment and shame from hiring you or calling you. And then they also don't even know you exist. And then there's this other side where you're sitting here like, come one, come all. I'm here. This is, this is my passion. This is my life mission to, to help you. So how can you help my, my listeners out there um, who, who want to talk to you, A, to educate themselves further on what we do not know, and B, how to stand up and be more of an active anti-racist? So there are several, you know, Instagram accounts that I feel like they offer free education. I mean, they are literally, right, teach and transform Liz Kleinrock. She's an anti-bias, anti-racism educator. Lisa? Uh, Liz, sorry. Liz Kleinrock, and it's teach and transform. Done, following, okay. Frequently, right, offering resources, and she's a teacher. And so she is able to break down this information into very tangible, digestible pieces. She sent me a long message and I've never opened it because I'm so swamped in DMs. The fact that you just taught me her, but you also (laughs) promoted her work. Liz Kleinrock. Got it. Okay. Keep going. Amazing. Um, Okay. So how not to travel like a basic B, like the full word spelled out. (laughs) I don't know if I can say it. I'll say it for you. How not to... Travel like a basic bitch. Got yeah. it. How not to travel. Got it. I'm going. Um, okay. So she offers really great content that is all brought. It's global. I mean, she's talking about right oppression in all different spheres. She um, is such a great educator, and even just when she travels, talking about the history of Asians in Argentina, in Venezuela, in different countries. So she offers that. Um, and is an amazing resource as well. Um, Connie Wun of AAPI Women Lead, right? Amazing. She is OG. I feel like she is one of those people where you're just like so inspired by her. Um, And then who else? Michelle Kim Kim is her handle. Um, Michelle Kim, she um, has been super outspoken, right, about the violence against women and Asian Americans, but also being very careful that we don't perpetuate anti-Blackness. Um, and so those are just some amazing women in our community who are doing the work, doing it for free, um, offering themselves up to help educate us. Thank you for that. Thank you for those women uh, and supporting their work and making sure to, again, change your feed, you guys, for anybody out there who feels like 
your Instagram feed is inundated with just narrowing news and doesn't show you what the Asian American community is actively doing, please follow these four names that uh, Jenny already told us. And then Jenny, let's talk about your Instagram and how we can, we can, we can schedule a time with you. Well, you know, my Instagram account really started with a passion to develop a directory of Asian therapists. And at this point, we have over 500 therapists listed. Um, and you can find this directory on my um, bio in the link. Um, and we also have a Canadian version that we're really trying to develop. And so my mission, my dream, one, is that our community is, doesn't feel so alone in their mental health struggles. Right? that we can say this happens because we're human and we hurt and that there is a pathway to healing right when we are able to be vulnerable and ask for help and so my account really is focused on understanding asian american identity or diaspora identity because these experiences are also similar to asian australians asian british right there are people um, of Asian descent living in all different countries that have these similar struggles of feeling like you're constantly living between worlds. And so my um, account really addresses that identity fracture and how that interfaces with mental health and how social justice cannot be left out of the conversation of mental health. I always say that we cannot throw enough therapy at a person to remove the effects of racism and oppression, right? There is Say not, that one more time. Say that one more time. So there is not enough therapy in this world to heal a person from a lifetime of racism and oppression. We wow. need to break structures of racism and oppression to free people to heal, right? But right now it's a band-aid. And I'm not saying therapy doesn't work. I absolutely think it works but we also need to do the larger systemic work because we are just putting, we're helping people get skills, helping them manage day to day, but they still have to go out into this racist world. They still have to right, deal with terror and threats. And so we can only do so much to help people heal, but if we don't change the world, nothing can change. Right, right. Oh my gosh, thank you. And, and uh, Jenny's Instagram is Asians for Mental Health. And, um, I, I honestly am so grateful for this time with you. I thankful for your, your support and your stance in solidarity with the issue of racism and also just your education to, to uh, let us, let us understand why we are the way we are, how we got here. Um, Anybody listening to this podcast, please do hit me up in the DMs. Um, whether you have more questions, I would be so happy to funnel these questions to Jenny. And I also am going to continue this conversation. Thank you for already creating a, a community here with the people that you love to follow, where you love to be enlightened and, and to be that for us. Um, for everybody else out there, you hear it in so many different forms and ways, but the advice I can give to you first is to... Hold a safe space for your emotions. Don't suppress them and don't spew them, obviously, but actually in your own quiet time or in your own safe place of home or with your friends or whatever that you have, unpack these emotions with a safe person that you can actually talk to about this. And even if it means by yourself writing them down, let them come out. And then number two, find the ways either through the Instagram follows that Jenny just showed us 
or even scheduling an appointment with someone like Jenny with a therapist that can help you process your emotions and teach yourself, do the diligence, the teach yourself and educate yourself why some of these things have happened to lead us to where we are. The reason I ask you to do that is because when you have facts, it not only empowers you to feel stronger because you understand and you know, but number two, it also allows you to make sense, even though it's not right, but it always helps because we are human to have empathy as to why people turn on each other, why these things, I'm angry at the shooter. And I also understand he had a, a, a slew of problems and he turned them on a race of people. So already that makes me very flat. It makes me flag now when people are angry and when I watch people and the, and the, and the, and the jargon they use or the way they talk or just the way they move, I'm already flagging them that we need to get help to this person. And so, and it's not, a, it's not just a mental health thing. It's also a race thing. It's actually, they're two and they're also one of the same. So anyway, I, I just, I just ask everybody to please find that support. Make sure to let your voices be heard. Make sure to speak up, stand out, educate yourself and, and know that, that we are here and, and we care about you. Listen, honey, listen, honey. Listen, honey, listen, honey. Listen, honey, listen, honey.